So I'm just on my way to East Central Bikes on um, a quirky street in London called uh, Exmouth Market. And um, you know, one of these rare streets in London where you have independent shops still. And uh, East Central Bikes is another independent um, store. Um, I'm actually dropping my bike in to be uh, serviced. And I thought I'd grab one of the owners for a chat for the podcast. But uh, yeah, normally this street would be really bustling. And there's, at the moment there's a lot of delivery vans and... Uh, deliveries to the stores which are open there's a lot of cafes and delis hardware store actually which has got uh, a lot of its stuff outside but you normally see that for hardware stores i guess whether it's a pandemic or not a couple of closed pubs although it's before 11 a.m anyway so pubs will be closed but yeah it's a still get a sense of the street um it's a closed uh, oh veggie pret veggie pret a manger now that's i haven't seen one of those before but anyway just arriving outside uh, East Central Cycles. There's a couple of actually uh, food stores there, a curry one and a Peruvian one, La Casanita. So that's really cool. And yeah, East Central Bikes are open for business, so bike shops can stay open. I'll introduce myself to them and remind them I've got St. Charlie. Hello and welcome to Marriott Side Trips, the podcast show sharing real life stories from the people I meet along the way on my travels. Like most people, I've been grounded for a while, so I've been using the opportunity to get to know my city, London, a little bit better. I've been chatting to those traders and artists who've been keeping local London ticking over during these challenging times. I'm Stephen Marriott, best-selling author, traveller and now podcaster. But before we get underway with today's episode, I need to give a heartfelt shout out to three fantastic friends of the show who took the time to give me feedback before I launched it. So thank you, Nilza Pereira, Marina Palmarini, and Patrick McDougall for helping me go live. Today's guest is Charlie Perkins, one of the founders of East Central Cycles, an independent cycle shop in Farringdon, central London. It's been an interesting time to be working in the bicycle trade, I learned, as when we met up at the end of March, Charlie and his colleagues were working flat out. More people have been getting into cycling, reclaiming London's lockdown streets. The shop is located on eclectic Exmouth Market, and it was a somewhat strange experience travelling through London's empty streets to the shop and passing along Exmouth Market, normally such a bustling place. So, hello Charlie, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. So I'm with Charlie Perkins from East Central Cycles today up in uh, Exmouth um, Market, which is a street in, um, in Farringdon. So just tell us a bit more about yourself, Charlie, y- your role in, w- with the cycle shop. And um, are you originally from London as well? Yep, originally from London, um, born and bred, lived here all my time. Worked in the cycle trade for, uh, how old am I now? 20, 13, so coming up for 15 years, 16 okay. years oh, or so. Um, and about 10 years ago, I started my own shop with a bunch of friends. Um, we all got bored of working for other people, so we thought we'd open our own shop. And um, yeah, we found this location and it's gone really well for us. Well, brilliant. Well, that's, that's great to have the um, well, have the courage to set out on your own. And uh, so, as you say, with, with, with some friends, with, were you all cyclists? Were you all into cycling together? Or we all worked you? in bike shops um, beforehand. Uh, the old mechanic, Jim, he was definitely the one who's most into cycling, he used to race and things like that. Okay. Um, but we all sort of rode bikes for pleasure and we all worked in bike shops and we all enjoyed cycling. And, you, and, and yourself, in terms of cycling, say you worked worked in a cycle shop. Yeah. But were, were you drawn to cycling initially uh, to a cycle shop because that was your your, your passion, or? Got to be honest, no, not really. No. Okay, um, it was fair just a, a job I got as a as a kid coming out of school um, as a Saturday job. Yeah. Um, All right. And it's kind of I just found a passion for it from that. Yeah. So it was kind of I fell into it and I really enjoyed it and yeah it's just gone from there. Okay. 
and um, working with with three friends who you know set set that up. I mean, look, how how has that been? Is it, it must have challenged your friendship at, at, at times, I guess. Not really. I've got to be honest. Like, yes, there's always going to be disagreements, but like, it never gets personal. It's never like, I never just think someone else is being an idiot, um, and I hope they never think that of me. But. <laughs> It's always about the best way to do things. It's not you're doing something wrong. It's you could do this and you could do it better. But you know, we muddle along, and it's a, we all get inputs. No one's a dictator, um, and I think we pretty much all come. You know, we pick the best ideas out of everything. Sometimes I'll suggest something and it will go well, but sometimes it won't. It'll fail, and we'll just move on and we'll try someone else's suggestion. So it, I can certainly see how working with friends could damage the relationship, but. It's kind of we all want the same thing. We've all got the same aim. We're okay. all looking at the same goal. Yeah. Um, so we're all willing to try different things, even if it's not sort of something that we've come up with or something that we're comfortable with. Um, I just trust the other people that they, you know they're only suggesting it because they think it's a good idea. Well, that's nice that you're, you're kind of all on the same singing from the same hymn sheet. But obviously, yeah. you bring your own individual you well, know, that's it. Yeah, everyone's skills got different and things. Yeah, and different um, opinions on that. And, and what's yours in that respect? For the shop, a jack of all trades, or yeah. So I'm not a mechanic. The other guys definitely more into the mechanic okay. side than I am. So they work in the workshop. They do the, the servicing and things like that. Yeah. I'm more sort of a, a sales guy. So I do like I'm. Our, our store is split over two levels. So we've got the ground floor, which is the main shop, and then we've got the basement, which is the workshop. So I'm always upstairs, and I'm generally the first pe person people meet when they come through the door. Okay. Um, so I'm speaking to a lot of customers and setting up a lot of sales, but. I mean, the other guys do do that as well, because someone has to be upstairs all the time. Yeah. And I'm not always there, so there's definitely going to be at least one person upstairs. Um, but yeah, I mean, we split the work pretty evenly between us, and yeah, it just goes really well. Okay, well, that, that's good to hear. And um, as I mentioned, um, the shop is in Exmouth Market, a street um, in Farringdon. And, and I guess the name I, I, I like, because for me, it's Farringdon is a little bit sort of in between things. You've got King's Cross at one end. You've got the financial district, the City of London, just just to the east, east of yourselves. So East Central Cycles seems to sort of be that sort of, um, I guess, intersect. And it reminds me of a bit of a New York, that kind of thing. But I mean, just it is a quirky area, I think. And obviously, in normal situations when we're not in a pandemic and stuff, obviously it's a very busy street yes. with you know independent stores market stalls and that yeah. kind of thing so i guess my question i'm leading up to is did you deliberately target this area because you, you kind of like the buzz of it or was it just the, the, the fact that the shop came up and it was the, the opportunity well, was there we were looking at a few different locations but this one certainly stood out to us as having well it Exmouth market is different to the surrounding areas it's it's got a very independent vibe to it there's no chain yeah. stores on the street or there wasn't when we turned no um so it's a really nice little street. A lot of people come down here and they, they're not looking for the best deals and everything. They're looking for the best service. Okay. And they're looking for the nicest products. And that's what we try and do. Because we can't always compete on price. Being a little independent store, we're not going to compete against the big guys. No. But on service and quality and all that sort of things, we definitely can. And the people who come down to this area, they certainly respect that. Okay. And uh, I mean, it is it is a sort of one of those streets where a, a rare street where you it hasn't been too gentrified. Obviously, you know, you've got the odd, you've got Pret across the there, but you've still got a, you've got a lot yeah, of independent new, stores. So. That's their new. Yeah, yeah. Like they opened about a year, 18 months ago now. Okay. And then they've been closed during the pandemic, yes. obviously. So, yeah, I mean, there was a Starbucks when we opened, but they they closed down as well because they weren't getting much trade because the independent coffee stores and the street were just so That's really much interesting better. because, you know, you have sort of seen how to put it 
kind of pincer moves of sort of the Starbucks and things yeah. where they come into interesting sort of quirky areas and then before you know it the, the other places are struggling with rent and well, stuff like it, that yeah, but, but this street in. has sort of people I guess what you're saying the customers appreciate sort of independence and quality absolutely then. yeah Okay, and who are who are the customers? Are they a mix, mixture of people or people from the area? I mean, it has to be, in, again, normal circumstances, people that also work in offices and things, I guess, in the well, that's, area. that's it, exactly. So pre-pandemic, um, our shop is in the base of an office building. And so a lot of our customers were from the offices above and the offices okay, around. So right. we used to have the Guardian down the road. Um, they've moved on now. But yes, since the pandemic started, it's completely changed. I'd say about... 5% of our customer base is now based in the offices around us and most of it yeah. is people either coming to us um, because they've you know we've got a good reputation they've been recommended to us by different people so our catchment area has definitely increased during the pandemic that's interesting yeah um, and then it's just it's it's more of the people looking to do exercise and looking to explore and get yeah. out and obviously stay off public transport yes um, because yeah. cycling is one of the safest ways to travel around at the moment yeah, I mean, and obviously, you know, because of that, you've been one of the, the few, you've been as considered as an essential business to stay open for obviously people's health and safety in, in, in that respect as well. But have you, so you, from what you're suggesting, and you've actually seen, okay, when people want to, you know, avoid public transport, um, but at the same time, have you seen a sort of a change where there's more people actually saying, okay, I do want to exercise and I, I, want, to, I want to sort of get back into cycling or yeah, get into it again? Absolutely. So when the first lockdown came in, the roads were really quiet and that gave people a lot of confidence that who hadn't been cycling beforehand to try cycling well, so they, they were, were getting dead, on the bike and they were getting on the road <laughs> yeah. yeah so and the roads are still pretty quiet compared they are, to what yeah. they were pre-pandemic but yeah i mean compared to the first lockdown it is quite busy now. Yeah. but still they built a lot more cycle infrastructure as well which is definitely yeah. helped a lot more separated cycle lanes which is just giving people the confidence to get out there and get on their bikes mm-hmm. and once you get on your bike i mean yes i've been doing it for 20 years now cycling through london so to me it's just another thing but um the roads in the centre of town, the lanes are a lot wider and generally, well, there's not so much traffic now, but when there is, it's usually traffic jams, so the traffic's not moving very quickly. So it can be quite safe to cycle around London. Yeah. It's just one of those things, if you haven't got any experience with it, it can seem quite daunting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this whole lockdown period has definitely given a lot of people the ability to get out there and try it and get comfortable yeah, with it. That's interesting, because I mean, obviously cycling, I've seen the, 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 the trend in cycling, especially in London, pick up over the last say 10 15 years and it's become as you say the super highway infrastructure and things that things like that but obviously this has really accelerated that trend and made people a bit more comfortable with with getting on their bike then oh yeah absolutely and um i guess one of the things that you're talking about the trend in cycles i think the thing i think i correct me if i'm wrong from your own experiences but sort of uh, for me from what I noticed, maybe about 10 years ago, it was almost like sort of some of the hipsters got involved with cycling with, with some of the more expensive bikes and cycles of, um, for some people have become like a real work of art, you know, a really finely crafted machine. Um, and some of the bikes now come with a, with a sort of hefty price tag. But I, yes, yep. but I mean, so obviously there's a real passion there amongst, among, amongst cyclists. So I guess what I'm trying to understand is obviously you've got some people who just want to get into it for leisure, but I, I guess you also have some serious cyclists as well that come into the shop and are prepared to, to, to spend a lot of money on a bike. Yeah, so it's definitely not so much our market. We do have a few people like that right. who come in. Yeah. Um, I mean, we stay sort of mid-market, so commuters, people going to do exercise and things like that. We don't deal so much with the, the races, the triathletes and people like that. Yeah. We certainly have a couple of customers like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, more mid-market pricing for us, sort of, you know, 300 to two and a half grand, three grand, mm-hmm. sort of kind of where we deal with. Yeah. 
Um, but on the sort of the, the art side of bikes, you're right, about 10 years ago, single speeds came out, sort of the, the courier movement took over, and yeah. riding a fixie or a single speed bike became the very fashionable thing yeah. to do. And a couple, quite a few bike shops opened up where they would specialize making custom bikes, and they, mm -hmm. would, you know, they would be works of art, basically, and you'd be, you'd be paying an obscene amount of money for some of these <laughs> bikes. That's definitely faded out in the last five years or so, I'd say. Single speeds are still popular, but mainly because they're cheap um, and they're reliable. And if yeah. you just want a basic commuting bike, they do the job really well. But people aren't riding them so much to sort of stand out and sort of yeah. copying the couriers, the cycle couriers and things like that. It isn't so popular anymore. It was just a phase then? It, it, it was, yeah. I mean, it was a 10-year phase, but it was, yeah. it was a phase, definitely. I mean, I think the rise of the cycling food delivery people has kind of dented the, the cred of the cycle okay, couriers, basically. I see. So they're not seen as so cool anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, there is still a bit of that around. You can still get some really nice custom-made bikes. Mm -hmm. I mean, that whole thing led to a whole sort of a mini boom in custom bike builders in London and the UK. Because beforehand, there were a couple, and now there's, there's a few dozen around. And they do really good work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, we've seen a lot of bike shops, you know, which are independent bikes, and obviously like yourselves in, in that respect. But I guess for me... I have to say, perhaps this is naively sort of associated with some of the hipsters and fashion, but at the same time, I saw a real development away from like the chains, the dominant, you know, without mentioning names, the chains of, of, of bike stores where, do you know what? I never felt too comfortable buying a bike from them or um, taking it in to be serviced just because I sort of felt like they weren't really into bikes. And so I think I guess some of these, um, you know, the custom made bikes and, and that passion obviously has, has taken the, the, the bike industry forward, I guess. Yeah, yeah Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, like, the bigger chains and things, you're right, the quality of work that they would provide wouldn't always be great, mm -hmm. because they just didn't pay very much, so they wouldn't get the best people. You, If you wanted the best people, you'd have to go to the, the independent stores, and yes, yeah. you'd pay more for it, but you would get much better quality overall as well. Mm -hmm. So, I can understand, like, you know, people on a budget going to the Evans and places like that, you will get a reasonable bike, and you yeah. get a reasonable service, but... If you do have the ability to pay a little bit more, you can get a lot better value for money in an right. independent store. Okay. And as you say, you're not just about um, high-end, you're not high-end bikes in mid-range, but you're also a lot of servicing and maintenance. Yep. So, and is that, that I guess, that's picked up a lot then, has it, as, as you've had more people sort of look at bikes from a leisure point of view? Um, so it could have done. Uh, I've got, so being honest, uh, the amount of servicing that we do has had to go down. Um, during the pandemic simply because our shop is quite small so okay. having three people in the store every day is it's difficult to do the social distancing thing yes so we've had basically only two people in the store every day so we've had one mechanic and one sales guy which means we've had to basically cut in half the amount of servicing that we're I doing see. Um, we haven't raised our prices um, so everything's still the same cost from us but yeah the amount of servicing work that we've been able to do has had to go down a bit mm -hmm. and there is still massive demand for it I mean Pre-pandemic, we had run maybe a couple of weeks waiting list for a service. Um, in the height of the summer last year, we were up to about six and a half, seven weeks. Really? And that was the same for every bike shop around us. Yeah. So, yeah, demand was certainly huge. I mean, a lot of people obviously were buying bikes and needing to get them serviced, and a lot of people were getting their old bikes out of the sheds and things like that as well. Oh, that's so great. Nice to hear getting that. Getting them back on the road, getting them set yeah. up again. So, yeah. You were, you, you were at full stretch then, clearly. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and actually, that's interesting, because I think I bought my bike, a foldable bike from yourselves. I think it was about May or June of, of last year. And when I came in, I could see that, you know, obviously there was, it was also, there was that working, it was that sort of time when things, 
uh, uh, working out really in terms of like social distancing, you know, how strict things should be or not. But um, I guess the interesting thing I, I found just, just talking to yourselves, and I think I got one of the last term bikes which was available from the suppliers, and you're, one of the big issues from yourselves then seemed obviously the supply chains have, have broken down and you, you would, would sourcing bikes. So has, has that improved now or have you still got those sort of constraints? So yeah, we've had to change the way that we usually work because pre-pandemic we could have ordered anything for next day delivery pretty Really, much. that quick? Yeah, it was, everyone had stock basically, yeah. so all the suppliers, all the bike brands and things like that. Um, and the supply chains haven't broken down, it's just demand has increased hugely. Okay. So we sold about six years' worth of bikes last year. No way. And I'm assuming wow. most other bike places did similar to that. Gosh. Um, so when you see an increase in demand that much, there's only so much slack in the system. Yeah. Um, so basically every product got bought um, by every shop and then there was nothing left. Mm -hmm. So luckily we've kind of had a bit of foresight at the beginning of last year. So sort of March, April time, we started placing big orders um, for bikes. So yeah, we had stock turning up, but people didn't have the choice they usually had. So if we hadn't ordered it, you can't get it. And same again this year, we've done massive pre-orders for bikes. So we've got a couple of thousand bikes coming through the system. But yeah, if we haven't got it coming, I can order it for you, but you won't get it until mid 2022. That, that long. Yeah. yeah. So the factories, I'm assuming they're working at full pace. And yes. um, talking to sort of our, our main supplier, Trek, yeah, they've basically increased their capacity by 100%. But they can't be more than that without building new factories. No. So there are limitations there. And now they're obviously going to have some of their sort of you know, social distancing things yeah, within factories exactly. in place as well, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of then yourselves, obviously you've, you've adapted and you've had you've had to sort of think about placing orders forward. Mm -hmm. But just in terms of you and, and the guys, uh, how, how are you being coping? I guess I can look at the things and say some people have been furloughed and maybe needed a break and had a chance to slow down and stuff. You've gone the other way and, and, and obviously become a lot busier. Yeah. So how has that, that been for yourselves? And I guess also you've probably experienced a lot of anxiety of customers who've come in. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't complain. A lot of people have had it a lot worse than us. Yeah. So. A lot of people lost their jobs and all that sort of stuff yeah. and being put on furlough and they might not have a job to go back to, whereas the cycling industry's done pretty well out of this whole thing. But yeah, we've been working long hours, long days, um, with a huge amount of demand for our services. So yeah, things have been hard and we haven't had a break since April last year, basically. So it's good, you know, we're busy, we're profitable um, and we're doing all right. So I can't complain, but yeah, it would be nice if we, I don't know, had more staff. Then staff are expensive, so you know <laughs> yes. it's a choice yeah. we've made not yeah. to have any. So it's one of those things. So yeah, we, we're in, we're happy with the situation we're in. We're okay. coping, but um, yeah, it's definitely different to what we're used to. Yeah, so I guess it's probably fair to say you're looking forward to a holiday or a break when that, whenever that's possible. Well, that's it. Yeah, we can't go anywhere at the moment, no. so having time off right now would be pretty pointless. Yeah, but yeah, hopefully as the restrictions get lifted and the vaccine rollout goes well around the world. And, Yes, it would be nice to have a proper holiday. And uh, what, what, what would it be a holiday for you? Would it be cycling, like a busman's holiday or, or something no. completely different? Um, yeah, something completely different. I'd go climbing in the mountains, go Switzerland, somewhere like that. Okay, so, so that, that yeah. you're an outdoors kind Absolutely. of person, then that, that's your sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. And then so, again, just, just sort of reflecting on normal, normal times, as I say, I, I, to the street in the past, you know, when it's, it's budding and it's, it's very lively and, you know, and, and I love that, that kind of, um, that, that independent kind of feel. Is there like a pub of choice that you go to or the guys or, a, I don't know, a greasy spoon or a cafe? Or, I mean, you're not, you're not far from Smithfields, for example, but you have to be early for there if you want, well, if you yeah, want breakfast. Well, yeah, exactly. You've got to be very early to yeah. get breakfast Or late. Down there. <laughs> or, or after, you know, night out. Yeah, I suppose at yeah. the end of the day you're looking at. God, to be honest with you, I don't drink. 
Okay. So, um, yeah, we don't really go to the pub too much. And generally, we're working pretty late at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah, a couple of drinks after work for the, for the boys and, you know, whatever in the shop is, is what we usually do. Right. Are you more into your coffee then? or? Because, I mean, there's some great coffee shops there in London now. There are some great coffee shops Especially in this here. area, I've, just, I've, I've noticed. Yeah, yeah, Caravan just across the road from us makes some really nice coffee. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, there's a few sort of more independent places down the end of the street as well. Bariki does some nice stuff and Sweet is pretty good as well. I mean, I enjoy my coffee, but I mainly just drink it for the energy at the moment. So <laughs> you as going. long as it's not, you know, Starbucks crap, then it'll be fine for me. Okay, well, well fair enough. Yes, I think, I think I'll endorse that, that <laughs> as well. Yeah. So, so, Charlie, do you have a favourite area of London that you find yourself drawn to? I mean, I'm from the southwest area of London, sort of Wandsworth area. And um, I like all the big open spaces they got down there, Richmond Park, Wimbledon Common. Yeah, it's all those great places. down that part of the world, yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of almost like living in the countryside to a degree um, when you can go to those places. Mm -hmm. But coming up into the centre of town, obviously, it is completely different. And I really enjoy that as well. I was doing a bit of sort of delivery work uh, pre-pandemic as well, just to you know, get a bit more cash, pay the mortgage and all that sort of thing. And it's all the little side streets that you just, you go past every day, but you don't know what's down them and around all these little hidden corners and things like that. And just discovering these these hidden gems all around London, doing the delivery work has been quite interesting. So yeah, I mean, there's no particular part of London I have any particular affinity to. Just the whole place is, is great. You just love London, and yeah. Yeah, I, I, I share that view. I love just wandering around the back streets and stuff. And there's a lot of London which you think you know, but you don't know. I mean, even around exactly. here, there's not. I mean, I think there's a lot of back streets, especially wandering in in towards the city, which is sort of on the fringes of it. And yeah. yeah, obviously, it's an old part of London as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Barbican around here is is one of my favourite places. Right. Um, especially when you can get onto the inside of it, because it's, it's just a completely hidden world. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's just beautiful in there, so quiet and so peaceful. Great. And yeah, it's, it's really nice. Brilliant, yeah. And so, so, so not just cycling, just strolling around as well. Yeah, enjoying London and just seeing all the little places. It's better when everywhere's open because you've got places to go. Yes, so yeah. At the so. moment, yeah, you can walk around, but you can't stop for a coffee in most places. You can't sit down anywhere. No, it's yeah, it, 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 yeah it's a it's a strange sort of sort of feeling that does that sort of that silence as well. I mean, as I, just coming up today, um, I cycled up from Waterloo to the shop today, and um, just the cars have gone, you know. Yeah, which is great for cyclists, of course. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so, just going back to the bike shop, then, do you have? future plans the bike shop you know where where say in 10 years time where would where do you see the bike shop or was it just hard to plan at the moment given given the fluctuations of things it's hard to plan right it's been great for us in the past 12 months and hopefully it will stay this way obviously with the vaccine rollout there's going to be well we get we assume there's going to be a dip in demand because everything's going to start going back to normal yes. it won't go back yeah to the normal it was beforehand um so we're going to have to see where it levels out and see what happens but yeah, it's just really hard to plan at the moment. So I'd love to say we'd still be here in 10 years and I can't see why we wouldn't be. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's really hard to guess. No, that's fair. But I mean, as you did say, that this has obviously accelerated the interest of people in bikes and yeah. getting out outdoors again. I, um, I wonder if we sort of get to a point where they close off more central London and it'll be a bit more like, I'm not saying like Amsterdam, but you know, you know how that sort of Dutch cycle feeling yeah. and that would be nice to, to see I think it would be yeah I mean you've got some pretty anti-cycling councils around here so Kensington, oh, right. Chelsea okay. Council, Westminster Council they just don't want to put in the cycle infrastructure it seems and right. they've been against it for many years but I think because of this whole situation and the amount of extra people on the road their hand has kind of been forced a little bit and they're going to have to do something 
So they've been talking about pedestrianising Oxford Street for a while, making it just uh, cyclists and pedestrians. Really? Because um, it's just taxis now, isn't it? Taxis, I think. Taxis and buses. Yeah. And, yeah, delivery. and deliveries and stuff yeah. like that, I guess. But it would be nice to see if they could sort of close off a few more streets to cars. I know the low traffic neighbourhoods have had some pushback, but they do seem to be a good thing overall. Um, a lot of the residents seem to enjoy them. It's made the areas a lot quieter, a lot nicer. The pollution's gone down quite a lot. And more and more people are just finding that cycling is a, is a quicker way to get around town. So in every way it is better, but it's just taking something like this to prove it to the people in charge, I guess, to make London a bit of a more cycle-friendly city. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I love cycling around. For me, it's a good way to see, to get around and, and see the city, especially the, the centre, because the centre isn't as, um, as big as you think when you're in the heart of the centre, is it? You know, it's, it's all manageable on a bike. Oh, it's very manageable, yeah. It's the fastest way to get around. Like, you know, somewhere that might take you half an hour on a tube can take five minutes on a bike, so, yeah. Okay, well, I think that that's been great listening to, to you about the bike shop and things. And so I explained that we're in, in, in a street called Exmouth Market, but if people want to uh, check out the, the shop, just maybe just tell us um, how they can go about that. I know you've got a website, etc. Yeah, so they can go to our website, eCentralCycles.co.uk. It's kind of a basic website, just says, hi, we're here, give us okay, a call, give fair us an enough. email. Um, but yeah, all pop down. So we're open six days a week, Mondays for Saturdays, right. um, nine till five during the week, 11 till four Saturdays. And yeah. Happy to have anyone come in, give us any questions, try out some bikes, happy to help. Brilliant, well, great chatting to you, Charlie, and um, I hope you get that, uh, that break soon. Yes, thanks very much, can't wait for it. Okay, many thanks, cheers. Thanks so much for joining us, and a big thanks to Charlie. To learn more about Charlie, East Central Cycles, and other stuff mentioned in the show, you can jump over to my website and the episode show notes at marriottsidetrips.com. That's M-A-R-R-I-O-T-T-S sidetrips.com Wow, I can't believe that was episode 6 already. That's about halfway through the London season, although there may still be a bonus London episode or two to come. It all depends on who I bump into between now and my next travels, as plans for my next overseas destination are now underway. Watch this space. And if you're now thinking of your next big trip too, you may find my new travel checklist which also includes health and safety tips helpful for planning that trip too. You can grab the free ebook Essential Checklist for the Modern Day Traveller by signing up to the show's newsletter from the same website. In the meantime, have a great week and why not take a side trip or two yourself? Cheers! Cheers.